0: like we need to start with a song or something yeah yeah what do you guys want to sing this is this is my time to shine my trial for the worship team where's Ashley at is she in here there she is wonderful so wonderful is your run eye? You. <laughs> they muted me. You're going to mute me, but not Bobby last night. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll get fired. Okay. All right. Hey, um, I'm going to start us off with a prayer, and then we're going to hop into uh, our discussion or our lesson. Uh, Father God, Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, God, uh, to speak with my wife. Uh, we don't get to teach together often or not as often as I'd like. God, I pray that um, you can make this not even about us or us speaking together, but about your words and your vision for us. And God, I pray that we can just accurately um, describe how grateful we are for what you've done in our lives and through our lives, the impact, if any, that you've made through our lives, God. And I, uh, I just uh, want to pray that you speak through us, God. I pray for the hearts of the people here that uh, they are ready to receive your words, and that we can be um, spurred on to action as we leave here, God, because I don't want this to be a weekend where we come and have fun, we come and hear lessons, God, but it be something that changes our hearts, changes our minds, and leads us to to go out and make a beautiful and lasting impact, and to leave a great legacy um, in your name, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so some of you know us, some of you don't. Uh, My name is TC. And this is my lovely bride, look at her, um, of s- almost 17 years, um, Maria, and we are the campus ministers on our first church plant to the city of St. Louis. And so, yeah, where, where's our interval people at? There we go. Um, yeah, so we went out in 2014, um, like I said, we're our campus minister, uh, ministers over there, And um, our mission is glorify God by loving God and obeying God and loving people by sharing the gospel, by serving and equipping others. And we've been called to do this through uh, planting churches, which is, again, we did that in 2014 and we're prayerfully like doing whatever we can to help our next plant go out. We've, we've, no, I can't do that. It's just so high. I feel like I'm up here. Can we compromise? There we go. That's a compromise. Okay. I just feel like I'm so high up here. Um, Anyway, so we we do that through planting churches, and we've been prayerfully and just doing whatever we can for the next plant. We've helped try to invest and work with people at Collinsville and uh, with Columbia. We have relationships with our people in Tulsa, so planting churches and campus ministry is how we feel like God is, is calling us to our mission to glorify him and to love people. So the workshop thing, beautiful feet. Did Anyone see that and was like, what in the what? Beautiful feet. It reminds me of, have you seen the movie Mr. Deeds? Has anyone seen the movie Mr. Deeds? And the servant guy, he's like, let me change your socks, sir. You have beautiful feet, sir. So when I saw that, that's immediately what I thought of because I'm Adam Sandler. uh, Sorry, I keep moving it down. Maria's going to kill me. (laughs) Uh, That's immediately what I thought of. But then when I thought of it in context for what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish, God wants our feet to go. And he wants us to go out in love. He wants us to go out in obedience. He wants us to go out and to share his word, to serve people, and to leave a lasting impact. And so... When you look at the first century church, and I feel like I talk about this a lot, we look at the things that they did, and it says that they went in in Acts 17. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That's leaving an impact. The world looked at what the church was doing, and they're like, that's different. Because they had seen religion for years and years, centuries and centuries before, and what the church was doing was much different than what the Pharisees were doing. You see, for them, it had become this rigid Business like organization where you had to have everything in a row, or you had to pay the right things or do the right things. And it had become less about relationship with God and more about these traditions. And that's what they knew God to be. But then the Romans looked out, and the world looked out, and saw what the first century church was doing and having this beautiful impact, having these beautiful relationships where it wasn't just about going to temple or to synagogue. It was about living life together. And they were starting to leave a legacy. And so it said that they took the world and flipped it upside down. So we look at that, and we're like, man, we want that, we want that, we want that. But then we're not always willing to do the things that it takes to have that. Because I believe that we serve a God that is the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be forever forever and we can have the same kind of impact that they had. And when you look at our world, you look at St. Louis, you look at Tulsa, you look at Columbia, definitely when you look at Illinois, right Jake? When you look at Illinois, it could use a good taking it, flipping it upside down and shaking it out because our world is broken. It's hurting, you flip on the news, it's hurting and it needs something to flip it upside down. And so God took a group of people that were flawed, he took sinners and turned them into saints. And we're going to talk a lot about our story. You guys get to hear my story a lot. We're going to get to to shine some light on Maria's story a little bit. And then we're picking out a couple of our people that we haven't asked, so thank you for your consent on that. We're going to talk a little bit about, about their stories, and we're going to show you how God had a beautiful impact within our hearts and within our lives so that way we could have an external impact on the world. Because wouldn't it be great if like uh, the newspaper or social media, looked the Crossing Church or Connect Church or Crossway Church, they're shaking it up. They're changing the world. And it's not about our glory, but it's about God's glory. And we want that kind of impact. So churches, we prayerfully consider where the next church plant goes. Right, church? Right, church? By the end of the year, we're going to have location picked out, and we want to be praying through. It's like, man, God, take that community, whether it be Kansas City, whether it be uh, Cape Girardeau or one of the Springfields or Evansville or Clarksville or wherever God leads us to, we want to take that community, flip it upside down, and shake it out in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Yeah. That's right. So the first century church had that rep of flipping it upside down because it wasn't just a place to go on Sundays. It wasn't that rigid. It was family. They live life together. So after we're done, Brent and Bill uh, Brent Bilby and his is his bride, Roxanne, are gonna get up and they're gonna talk about beautiful relationships and what it means to live life together. And I'm super excited for them. Brent and I got to briefly talk about his lesson. And I know him and his wife are gonna give a great lesson on that. And then tomorrow, you're gonna come back and you're gonna listen to Ashley and RJ. And they're gonna talk about leaving a beautiful legacy. And so we're going to start off with making an impact within our hearts and within our lives. So before the first century church, before Acts, we need to get into how those guys became ready to make that beautiful impact. And so we're going to go through and we're we're going to look at the 12 and who who they were and then who they became. See, Jesus came down to live, to look them face to face. He didn't legislate uh, leaving an impact from on high. He came down to train them. He came down to live life with them. He came down to get to know them. And we need to look at that. He met 12 dudes that were full of weaknesses. You have Peter and Andrew. is the first that, that, that he reached. Peter's mouth and his impulsiveness would constantly get him into trouble. Like constantly. And you look at this guy and you read about him. And if I were to give you like the cliff notes, No way God used Peter to do what Peter did. But Christ came into his life impacted his heart, and he was able to move forward in Christ to do the things that he did. Peter was the guy that denied Jesus on his last days, but then a month and a half, two months later, gave the first public sermon at the day of Pentecost, which is crazy to me when you think about who Peter is. His brother, Andrew, was right there with him. Andrew, before Jesus, was a follower of John the Baptist. And God got into his life. Then you got James and John, the Sons of Thunder. What an awesome name, the Sons of Thunder. These dudes were angry. Man, think about the thunder booming. We had some storms a couple weeks ago. Um, Like, last Friday, we went to go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. My friend Matt, uh, who just became a Christian, was supposed to go to the Cardinals game. We were in the movie when the storm happened. I said, hey, man, how was the game? I texted him right after. He goes, are you serious? I was like, man, I was in a movie. What are you talking about? And then I got on and saw that the game was delayed because there was hail and there was thunder and it was booming and it was kind of crazy. When you think of thunder, you think of something loud. That was James and John. They were known to be explosive. They were known to be loud. But then John... Became the apostle of love. Talk about a transformation, an impact that was made in his heart that transformed him into becoming the apostle of love. That's kind of crazy to me. you got Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was hated by his own people because they were known to be greedy and thieves. God used him to write one of the gospels. Thomas is best known as being doubting Thomas. I don't know if that was like his character in general. But that's what we remember him for, and he died a martyr's death. God made an impact on these guys. You have Judas, you have Philip, you have Bartholomew, you had another James, you had another Judas, you had a Simon. These are the guys that God chose to start His church. And when I look at some of you, I can see the Peters, the loud and impulsive people. I can see the Matthews, who the world would have looked at and be like, "Man, that guy's a scumbag." I was a scumbag. I look out, I can see the Thomas, those sort of are full of skepticism. I can see all kinds of flaws, but guess what? This church started here in St. Charles with about 30 people full of flaws. And now on Sunday mornings, if we were five, 600, I have no idea, we've sent out three church plants. We've helped start another church in Tulsa. Like it was God working through them, but we've assisted it however we can, right? And God is doing some amazing things through a bunch of sinners. But he made an impact in our hearts, which led to growth in the kingdom. So, I'm going to hand it over to my bride, and I'm going to just get out of the way. Um, hold on. There you go, baby. Am on? I don't
1: know if it's on. Oh, no. Yell really loud. Hello. Yell
0: there. No. It's not the red one. It's the one that Kyle handed, so whatever that is. It's right now.
1: Hello. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Too hey, much. baby. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if I'm going to make a beautiful lasting impact, like the apostles, here's our lists. I must I must allow Jesus into the boat. So we're gonna look at Luke five one through three. Jesus was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, teaching the people as they crowded around him to hear God's message. Near the shore, he saw two boats left there by some fishermen who had gone to wash their nets. Jesus got into the boat that belonged to Simon and asked him to row it out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down in the boat to teach the crowd. So, the boat represents your life. For Peter and Andrew, it was an actual boat, Um, but for us, it's obviously a little different. Um, I could only imagine the look on their faces when um, Jesus asked them to do that. Um, They probably were thinking, well, I mean, we could see in Scripture all along, even though they were with Jesus for many years, that there were various times that they were like, who is this guy? And they were right next to Jesus all the time, and we can be very much the same way. Um, For many of us, it's different situations, and for some of us, we're more eager to allow Jesus into our lives than others, and at different points in time. Um, Sometimes that can kind of ebb and flow, and that's why God speaks to us at different volumes. So sometimes it has to be very loud for us to get it, and sometimes we have to be really quiet so we can hear what he's trying to say. It just depends on our hearts and what God's trying to grab our attention with. Um, For example, Mary Magdalene, she was bowing at Jesus' feet while he visited a Pharisee. So she was right there with him, so he only had to speak a low volume for her to hear him. Her heart was ready, she was right there. Um, We see other examples like Saul. If you know that story, when um, God knocked Saul off of his horse... He had to speak so loudly to Saul that he was blinded. Obviously, the light blinded him, but you know what I mean. Um, it was a very, very high volume at that point in time for it to really grab a hold of his attention. At that moment in his life, his heart wasn't a place that he needed it to be really loud, and sometimes for us, that's the case. Um, thankfully for him, for us, um, he allowed God to speak to him in that moment and for his heart to soften for him to hear that. Um We see with Matthew, um, Jesus used a lower volume with him. Like, hey, I'm right here. All you need to do is come follow me. We see with Andrew and with Peter, it was a bit more of a medium volume. Hey, let's hop in this boat. Um, He just kind of showed up and was just right there. And they had to be ready and had to decide, okay, am I going to come follow him right now? He's right here in my face. I didn't have a moment to think about it. I didn't have time to warm up to it. Um, But am I going to listen to this? Okay, let's go. Some people need higher volume. Some people don't, like I said. But we see that in the parable of the soils, for example, with different soils, some being hard, rocky, thorny, or good soil. And if you're not familiar with the parable of the soils, look it up. It's excellent. Um, But we see that in our lives, too, and we could see that in our examples from the Bible as well. In order to make good soil... Jesus will need to do lots of things to break through to us. Um, and that varies uh, depending on the person, and it can vary at different moments in your life too. Like TC said, and you've, for those of you that know him or are familiar with him, you may know his story, that God really um, had to grab a hold of him through a series. Stop drinking my coffee. through <laughs> <laughs> God had to speak to him through a series of events that were very loud and very in his face and very serious. And um, he went through a horrible time where he was um, kind of a protagonist in his friend's life, uh, one of his best friends at the time, and um, spoke essentially a lot of evil to a friend of his. And this guy tried to kill himself. And TC walked in on him and um, God was like shouting at him in that moment, like, "Look at your life! Like, what are you doing?" Um, for for some of you, it may be similar to that, whether it's with yourself or someone that you know, that God really shouted loudly to get your attention. Um, I feel like for myself, over the years, it was um, you know different volumes at different times, um, but I think God was kind of always in my ear and kind of a medium. Sometimes low, sometimes high. Um, Maria's gone wild. You're dumb. <laughs> I, um, I, I don't know. For sake of time, I'm going to try to keep it super short. I grew up really in a very poor household, and um, it was difficult on my self-worth to grow up in that kind of setting um, amongst a family of a lot of sexual abuse on one side and a lot of mental illness on another And, um, it really like Satan was working right there in my ear the whole time in like a low to medium volume. But I felt like he was always right there trying to mess with me and you might feel the same way. Um, I tried to be a good girl and I tried to be a good person and I wanted to do good. Um, but evil was right there with me and I made a lot of stupid decisions and I wanted my worth to come from anything that would make me feel better about myself, so I often sought approval from guys, from relationships, I made really stupid decisions. Um, In college, I went to a party from an ex-boyfriend's house who I shouldn't have been involved with, and- That's right. (laughs) Flashed, you didn't even know him, shut up. Get out of my story. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, um, flashed some friends and had a picture taken um, of myself and this was prior to um, smartphones and social media. And it just, like, spread like wildfire through my dorm and through my campus. I went to SIUE. Um, um, that was my my stomping grounds back in the day. Um, but it, it just ended up being everywhere. And I had random people coming up to me telling me that, oh, yeah, I saw you framed on the wall in one of the guy's apartments. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I... I As funny as it seemed at the time, like, that kind of stuff, like, just was wrenching my heart like nothing else. At that moment in life as well, my dad was being diagnosed with schizophrenia, like, officially. um, And he made it sure to let me know that because he was my dad, I had a greater chance of developing that myself. And I went through, like, my own, like, anxiety time and was, like, questioning everything about my life, even the things that I always knew, like, from a child. Like, I loved art. But I just, everything seemed like I don't know what the heck is going on with my life. And it was horrible. Um, And I just felt like I could look at him and see my future. And it terrified me. So I make all these stupid decisions with trying to get attention and everything and, um, and uh, in my dorm, there was, uh, well, information posted about a root beer kegger, um, and there would be mud wrestling. I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. It's at a church? What? <laughs> I grew up in the Catholic church, and there was, like, no such thing like that. Um, so I, I went my freshman year, and um, I didn't make any connections then, but I think God knew during that time I had to go through all that stuff of my grandma dying, my dad with schizophrenia, me making stupid decisions, bouncing around from like guy to guy and relationship to relationship, um, breaking up relationships, like being the one that was being, to helping to cheat on the other person, like all kinds of horrible things. And um, that next year, God really grabbed my attention and I did go back and I met some really amazing people. Um, who are some of my best friends now? even though I don't get to see them all the time. But I like specifically remember meeting like certain people there, um, like Laura Atkins, Hickerson at the time, and, <laughs> and Summer Black, rushing at the time, um, and a few others, and then meeting um, Carrie and Hannah, and God just grabbed a hold of my heart and just At that moment was like, hey, I've been here, and I've been waiting for you. And that's where God wants to be for you, too. He's here, and he's waiting for you. And whether you've given your life to him, surrendered your life to him or not, um, you can still have those moments where you're, like, in the boat, out of the boat, in the boat, out of the boat, halfway in, um, trying to jump out. You know, like, you're going to have those moments, but God is right there trying to speak to you. So are you going to let him talk to you and listen, or does he need to shout at you, knock you off of something to get your attention? Um, there are many other people I can think of that have been through all sorts of things for God to break through to their hearts. Um, my dear friend, Zong, one of my best friends, she's not here yet. Um, she's traveling back from Europe, and then we will be driving down, I think it's today or tomorrow. Yeah, they'll be here tomorrow. Um, But um, she grew up as an atheist and um, had a very hard heart, um, was very hard soil from a lot of very difficult things happening in her life, from abuse when she was younger to a dad that wished that she was a boy and not a girl so he could have his firstborn son and all kinds of stuff like that. And um, God really broke through to her, um, and it took some time. Um, Are we talking about the time yet, or is that later? I don't remember. The what? The what? Length of time, is that later? We could, I don't remember.
0: We'll make it work. (laughs) Um,
1: But God, God really broke through and spoke to her, and it took a bit of time for that. Um, But we'll talk about that too. But I also think about um, Aliyah, for example. Um, I remember that um, Mallory was um, such an important part of her life when she was younger, and Then Aaliyah, like, went her own way. I don't even know where she's sitting right now. But um, Aaliyah went her own way and um, was just going through her own crap, definitely stepped way out of the boat off the shore. And God used Mallory's sickness and her death to really shake up Aaliyah. And seeing how that, and I know as well as some of other people in here um, that were such an important part of her life, that God used those moments to shake her up, to shake you up, to really grab a hold of them um, and really speak and say, listen, (laughs) like, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of you. Where are you at? I'm trying to get a hold of you. Um, And their impact on the kingdom, where would it be if they hadn't allowed um, Jesus to get into the boat of their life?
0: I don't need that. I I think about my man Cupid back there, Aaron. He said that's what his name was, so I was just going to call him Cupid. You know, Aaron was a guy who came around As a kid, right, and kind of did his thing, and he let God into his life. And I look over in Collinsville and hear the things that Jake's talking about him—the way that he's been growing—and God made an impact on his life to help the Collinsville Church. And we could go through literally all day and talk about the hearts of people. (laughs) I can't even look at them without Ben Hubert came around in New Heights when he was a kid, and then walked away. And then came back as a man. And was like, hey, you remember me from like 15 years ago? And it's just crazy. So when we allow Jesus to get into our life, he can truly make an impact. And so out of Luke 5, we're talking about how Jesus called his first uh, apostles. And so the second point is, is I must allow Jesus to take me to deep waters. I must allow Jesus to take me to deep waters. In Luke 5, verses 3 and 4, then Jesus sat down in the boat to teach the crowd. When Jesus had finished speaking, he told Simon, row the boat out into the deep water and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon answers, answered, we have worked hard all night and have not caught a thing. But if you tell me to, I will let down the nets. You see, Christianity isn't about playing it safe. It's not about just coming to church, punching in a time clock, being at the right places and the designated places at the designated times. And that's what sometimes we boil it down to. Oh, I'm gonna to go to church. I'll even go to guy time or I'll go to girl time. I'll go to the things that I'm supposed to do. But when it becomes to having life between the meetings and actually getting below the surface level, we don't like to do that because it's uncomfortable. It's hard. When we go out to deep waters, we can't our feet can't touch, we can't see the bottom. I know there are people in this room right now that will get into a swimming pool because they can see the bottom and they know that it's safe. But take those people to a lake, they can't see the water, they don't know how deep it is, and ain't no way they're getting into that water. Am I right? Right? I see some people nodding, laughing, pointing at their person, their partner next to them. That's you. He's talking about you. Yeah, you won't get into deep waters. And we must allow Jesus to take us to deep waters because that's where we deal with life. That's where it becomes hard. That's where it takes some faith. You see, for a lot of us, we have stories that you don't talk about in the world. Abuse. Some of you have been beaten on, been sexually abused, mentally abused, used, and discarded. The world says, hey, don't talk about that. But when we allow Jesus to take us deep waters, we can not only talk about it, but we can allow Jesus to make an impact on our hearts and heal us. For some of you, it's addiction. I thank the Lord we did not have cell phones when I was 12 years old. Because the access to the the things that you guys have access to would have destroyed me if I started when I was 12 years old porn addictions, all kinds of substance abuse things. But when we allow Jesus to take us to deep waters, we can get some help with that. It's, we've got to allow ourselves to get out of the kiddie pool and Jesus to take us to deep waters. And if you're going to make a beautiful impact, it's about allowing Jesus to take you there. Peter had gone there and thought he had gone there before, but he's like, you know what, Lord, if you tell me to do this, I'm going to do it. Some of you think that you've tried to deal with that stuff, but it wasn't the way that God intended, and you didn't get the help, so you throw your hands in the air and be like, well, what's the point? We need Jesus to take us into deep waters. See, back in the day when we went from like 30-ish people to whatever we became whenever we planted or whatever we are now, I felt like we had a whole lot more zeal and a whole lot more conviction. And there were, don't get me wrong, there were times that we just didn't do it right. But I think God honors us in faith, making decisions, being willing to fail in Jesus' name, then playing it safe in our name. We're in the kiddie pool. And church, if we're going to grow Tulsa, if you're going to grow St. Charles, Interbelt, Columbia, uh, Collinsville, if you're going to grow, we must allow Jesus to take us to deep waters. And that's where we can live in faith. Because that's where the impact is made. And that's where Jesus caught all those fish. We have to allow him to take us to deep waters. In Isaiah 43:2. when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. The apostles knew this. They knew that if they let Jesus take them to deep waters, that even though they may be beaten, put into prison, or killed, that God was going to be with them. And they took the world and they shook it upside down. They made an impact. They left a legacy. And we need to know that. We need to allow God to take us to deep waters because that's where he impacts our hearts. That's where we see faith in action. And that's what allows us to grow. If you could go back in time and tell people or tell the apostles, hey, you know you're going to be killed for this. Play it safe. Would you do that? Not a single hand better go up because you are the benefactors of what they started 2,000 years ago. The things that they did, you reap the benefits of that because they lived in faith and they allowed Jesus to take them to deep waters. In 100 years, in 2,000 years, no one's gonna know our name or probably even our church. But we wanna leave an impact, and I'm stepping on Ashley's lesson a little bit, but we wanna leave an impact that's gonna last like that. You see a church plant. If you wanna know about yourself, go to a church plant because I was part of a church that grew. Oh, I've got this. I can do it. Then you get on a church plant and you're the guy and everyone's calling you and texting you and showing up at your house with all these things and all these problems and everything and life happens and church buildings and all this stuff. I didn't, wasn't ready to go into those deep waters, but God, you know what? If you're, if that's where you want me to go, I'm going to go. And I allowed God and there's times where I didn't and our church didn't grow. And there's times where we have. Confessing sin and abuse is an example of deep waters. I've heard people talk about um, the abuse that they've had. And when we go to cross chats, or we have our cross chats, and when people take that first step of saying, you know what, I was abused, my heart hurts for them because I hate it for them but there's something beautiful about trusting Jesus enough to go to those deep waters because you know when you die to yourself, you die to your story, and that story can help someone else. When you, Jesus makes that impact, you're willing to go to those deep waters. Matthew 28, Jesus leaves him with this, I will be with you always even until the end of the age or even until the end of the world. God's with us, we must allow him to take us to deep waters.
1: All right, I must also survey my status. So in Luke 5, um, 5, 8, and 10, it says, Master, Simon answered, We have worked hard all night long and have not caught a thing. But if you tell me to, I will let the nets down. After they caught all the fish, when Simon Peter saw this happen, he knelt down in front of Jesus and said, Lord, Don't come near me, I'm a sinner. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will bring in people instead of fish. Simon Peter surveyed his status three times, and we have to think the same thing too. So we can ask ourselves, where am I at in life? I know that's a huge question. If we look at the scripture, we've worked hard all night long and have not caught a thing. Sometimes you might feel like that, sometimes not. We see from our example here that that's how Simon was. I know that there have been so many times in my life where I felt the same way. Like, I feel like I'm trying to truck ahead and nothing is happening. I feel like I keep going and keep going. But if we really survey where we are, then we can get a better perspective on where we can really give it over to God and let him in. Where am I at in my heart? Lord, don't come near me. I am a sinner if peter didn't recognize this part then this story would be done right here right and it's the same thing for us and it can be that way in any moment and i know for myself i think about like when god first grabbed a hold of my heart it was so incredibly soft and so moldable and like oh my gosh i know i'm the biggest sinner and i'm so ready but at various points over the years it's so easy To fall into the habit of yeah I was like I was that sinner but I'm so much better now and I know I've been guilty of that and oh my gosh like just pray for your heart in those moments let people speak to you I've had to have people talk to me in those moments and tell me like hey something's not right with you or why are you being so surface why aren't you going deep enough I had to let people say those things to me. I had to listen. I had to check my heart and see where I was. So at regular intervals, we should be doing that for ourselves all the time. Um, And then what could life be like with Jesus? So we see at the end there of the verses we were looking at, from now on, you will bring in people instead of fish. This isn't just for this story thousands of years ago. This is for us now too. And I know sometimes I can get really insecure and really prideful and think, like, no, I'm not made that way. I'm not good at that naturally. It's like, God didn't bless me with that. God didn't make me that way. But there's nowhere in the Bible that God says, for those of you that I made capable, you know, we're all capable. You know, for, for those of you that are really good at this, like, this is your thing. But for the rest of you, you can just kind of sit by and, like, cheer them on. Like it doesn't say that anywhere. But I know I can justify for myself so many times. like it's okay. I can I'll be the one like on the sideline, and I'll let other people catch the fish. And it took so much digging, and I still have to check my heart all the time to make sure that I'm not doing that. That's like my natural mode. Like it's fine. like you're you're doing good, you got it. Keep going. Like I have to be the one too, to look and say, okay, God. You are bringing in people instead of fish. Are you going to use me? Am I going to let you use me? I know you want to use me. You Use him and use that person. And use my best friend over there and use that person that just got here like a week ago. But am I letting God use me to bring in the fish too, to bring in the people? He wants that for us always. And when I, when I look at this, um, of where we were, we have to ask ourselves and look at that. Um, it's, it's cool to seek encouragement, not just from our stories, but from other people's stories, too, like what we've we been talking about. Um, but also I think of um, our guy, Zach. I don't know where he's sitting right now. Um, but you can't miss him. He wears a tie-dye every day. And um, uh, it took, it took a, 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 over a year um, for him to see that this was entirely true for him, too. Um, I think of my girl Jackie. I just heard her last night um, telling some of the girls her story, and I'm just, it was just really cool to hear. Um, she's an example as well that um, God brought her around like over a year ago, and um, you know, she started to dig into the Bible and um, let people help her, and then she backed off and, you know, stepped out of the boat and needed to focus more, well, wanted to focus more on like school and work and stuff like that. And Satan was right there like trying to tell her like this is the way, this is the way. And um, it's just so cool watching her, God grab a hold of her heart and for her to listen to that when he was speaking to her, um, to use her and um, just watching her and so many other girls and just the hope, so many of you guys here and the hope that God has for you. Um, I think of our guy Theo, who came in with a very scientific mind Science is awesome. We love science. We're going to hear John Clayton talk about that more. Um, hey,
0: who? Who are we going to hear later? John Clayton, right? Yeah. Yeah. John Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you science people, John is an amazing dude. He's been at this like 60 years, I feel like. I don't even know. But he's, he's awesome, and he's incredible. His heart for people, his heart for God is awesome. So I just feel like I needed to plug that in because yes. John's being here. He doesn't speak often at places anymore because he's 85, but he's like that Caleb that's the that old treasure. man still running up the mountain and listen to everything he has to say because he's awesome. So.
1: Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to take a long time. For some of you guys, it may have taken longer than that. And um, for some of you, it may have taken much shorter. Some of you have heard TC's story how um, I, I swear I met him and then I heard like a week later or something that he was getting baptized and I was like, Then you fell in love? What? No, that took a little longer. Yeah. Took a little longer. Two days? (laughs) 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 But TC studied the Bible really quickly, Um, and I I know many other people, like God, uh, my moment in my life when I came around, like I needed it so badly, and God grabbed a hold of my heart. And um, I know for some of you too, like it may have been really fast. No, whether it took you a long time or it was super quick, um, it's something that, that God just wants us to see, like he can grab a hold of us and we're ready right then. We don't have to wait. And for those of you that are reaching out to, um, well, we all should be, but for those of you that you are reaching out to, um, you may see some of yourself in them or somebody else in a story that we've said or something of maybe somebody taking a really long time. Don't give up on them. Keep praying for them, praying for their heart. Um, for somebody that seems to be, like, very quick and you're scared, like, oh, is, like, that flame going to burn out, like, tomorrow? Um, keep praying for their hearts, too. Like, everybody has that ebb and flow, but we got to help each other in that boat because Jesus is right there with us.
0: All right, so we got to allow Jesus into our life, into the boat, right? I know. <laughs> I love you. All right, so the next thing I must do is I must count the cost. In week 5, 9 through 11, Peter and everyone with him were completely surprised at all the fish they had caught. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were surprised too. Jesus told Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will bring in people instead of fish. The men pulled their boats up on the shore. Then they left everything and went with Jesus. When they dropped the nets, they weren't just dropping the nets. These just weren't just fishing nets. This is everything they had ever been. When you were born into a family, then you picked up the family business. So catching fish is all they had ever known. It was everything they had ever been. And for some of you, you were at that point of getting to know Jesus, and you had to look at everything that you had been, and you had to count the cost. Because this isn't what they had just been. This is what they were. This is how they provided for the families. It was their very futures. And Jesus said, put down your nets, leave it at the shore, and come follow me. And they had to count the cost of that. For us, it's not just fishing nets. It's who we were. It's our families. It's our culture. It's our upbringing. It's our race. It's everything. Jesus says, you got to leave it on the shore and come follow me. Because I have to be bigger than that. In fact, he goes on in Luke 14 and talks about everyone who does not hate his father, his mother, his family cannot be my disciples. And is he saying, hey, go hate your parents, go hate your family? He's saying, no, I have to be more important than that. For them following Jesus, meant their families might disown them and never talk to them again. And they had to count that cost before they got into a relationship with them. For me, my family had no problem with me drinking five, six, seven days a week, partying and doing all this crazy stuff. But as soon as I started living for Jesus 24-7, they had an issue with that. Isn't that backwards? That's crazy. For some of you, your parents kick you out of the house. Something that we deal with where we are and I know it's everywhere, is the Hebrew-Israelite stuff. People's families are, are Hebrew-Israelites. And if they follow Jesus, it means you're out of my family. We have to count that cost because God has to be more important than that. He also goes on to say, hey, you're going to build a tower. And if you're going to build this tower, you've got to count the cost. Are you going to have enough money to finish this tower? For us, it can be so cool and so exciting to let Jesus into the boat. This is great. Jesus has blessed my life. I have all these new friends. I have all these blessings upon blessings. And then Satan looks at you and says, I don't want that. So he starts working overtime to to kick Jesus out of the boat or to get you to kick Jesus out of the boat. And we don't count the cost of what it means to not only have the exciting times, but to have those times where life seems hard. For us, the Bible and our relationship with Jesus is pictured like a marriage. And a marriage is a lifelong commitment. And that's what Jesus wants us to have. You see, these guys had a lifelong commitment. Ten of the original 12 were killed for their faith. One of them committed suicide Judas after he betrayed Jesus, and the other one died in a prison on an island. It was a lifelong commitment for them because God had made such an impact in their life that no matter what they did, no matter where they went, no matter what happened, they counted the cost and they lived for Jesus. And if we're going to do that here in St. Charles and in St. Louis and in Consville and in Columbia and in Tulsa, wherever you are and wherever God sends us, we have to count the cost of that. We have to allow him to make that impact in our life because life with Jesus is better than life without. Because nothing you do aside from Jesus makes it into eternity. Because the moss are gonna eat it up. The rust is gonna destroy it because everything in this world is temporary and we have to do something that makes a lasting impression. So we must count the cost like they did in Luke five and throughout the Bible. We gotta count the cost of following Jesus so he can make an impact in our lives. And then finally,
1: I must go forward in faith. In Luke 5, 5 and 11, Master, Simon answered, we have worked hard all night long and have not caught a thing, but if you tell me to, I will let the nets down. Again, after they caught all the fish, the men pulled their boats up to the other shore, Then they left everything and went with Jesus. These men had an eternal impact that made a world of difference for us now and for our future generations. And it was beautiful. It was incredible. The steps that they walked were beautiful. But we're still part of that story, and we can't forget that. God used a messed up group of people, a messed up group of loudmouths, people who were impulsive, misfits, tax collectors, sinners, and he used them to make an impact. But remember, that's us too. And you can look at any of these examples and find something in them. Old Testament, New Testament, especially the story. You can find something in there to relate to, to see that you don't have to be perfect And that we have incredible examples of some really beautiful feet to follow to make a lasting impact. And I pray for that so much for our churches, for the kingdom, for other parts of the world that are fighting to do this as well. And like TC said, you know, at different points in time, sometimes it seems like we have more fervor than others, more passion, more excitement. And we have to check ourselves. We have to look through these things and see what else we need to do to go forward in faith. And that everything we need has been given for us. We just need to look to Christ, to our examples, and continue forward.
0: Yeah, so when I think about going forward in faith, like I said, we could go through, I think of my, is Mitch here? Big ol', is Mitch in here? He might be in the church planning thing. And when we met a guy like Mitch, who's a meathead, who's stealing food from our campus ministry events, Cussing up a storm in my house. You see, God make an impact on his life, and now he's he's gone on to work in our youth ministry and he's helping kids, and I see him invest in those. I see my man Cody, who when we met Cody, he was a dweeb, and he was a loudmouth and he was impulsive, but he's was. <laughs> Mary's like, was um, he went on our Collinsville plant, and he's someone who I know that when they look at the future of the church, like he's someone that who's God's made an impact in his life, and he's going to go on to, to help lead in that. I can think about the less, Cynthia the Lesser. There's another Cynthia here now, and I like her more. Um, but I think about my girl Cynthia. He's great. And the impact that he's made in her heart. And then I look at our girls and how they, they talk about her, and how they look at her, and how they follow her. And so God's made an impact in her heart and she's then making an impact in other people's hearts. And again, we could sit here and we could go person by person. God's used two imperfect people here to, to, to level up on people and work and through us and, and oftentimes in spite of us. He's made an impact in our hearts and he wants us just to give that to other people. And so for you, I want you to always be grateful for what Jesus has done in your life. I want you to allow him not only into your boat to be captain of that boat. I want you to constantly survey where you are. God, am I right with you? What can life be like with you if I follow you with everything that I have? You need to count that cost daily. The Bible calls us to take up our cross daily. It's us counting our cross. God, where are we at? Where do you want us to go? And we need to go forward in faith. And when we do that, there's going to be beautiful footprints behind you. And nothing but blessings and God working in and through you ahead. And I want you to always remember, Satan's going to be working in the background. But when you commit your life to him, God works. And so we're going to pray. And then are we doing a break? How are we doing this? A 10-minute break. And then Brent and Roxanne are going to call you back with a song. They're going to sing you a song so you can come back in. So, All right, um, let's pray. Um, Do you want to pray, honey? You can pray. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let my lady pray. Or I'm not letting her. She's doing that because she's a strong, independent woman.
1: Yeah, don't you forget it. Okay. <laughs> Dear Lord God, um, we're so grateful, Father, that you've given us the ability to be here today. Um, Lord, for you to speak to us. Um, we, we pray, God, that you'll help us to have soft hearts that we can listen Um, that we can follow in the footsteps of those before us and um, just see the impact that they've made and how you are continuing that and want to continue that so much more, God. Um, We know that this is the only time that we can grab others and bring them along with us into your kingdom, God. And I just pray that you'll be with us um, in your goodness and in your glory and your mercy, God, Um, that you'll be with us with our hearts and with the hearts of those that need you and that we're reaching out to, and we thank you for um, this workshop, and it's in your sons and we pray. Amen.